Well, good morning and welcome to our first service, uh, our first virtual service, I guess, for the Champaign Church of Christ, brought to you by the COVID-19 or coronavirus. Uh, we're not the only ones. There's a lot of churches, as you just saw in the video, uh, you know, the San Antonio church has already started meeting in small groups and uh, understand Boston has done this, Chicago, Detroit, Indianapolis, Bloomington, and I'm sure many, many, many others, plus many, many churches that are not in our fellowship. This is not a unique thing for us uh, in one way. On the other hand, it is kind of unique. Uh, Bob, Magic Bob, is not with us this weekend. He had to be out of town due to a family emergency. Now, don't get all excited. The, the family emergency is not Hannah having the baby. It was something else, right? Uh, but instead of me doing this, uh, this video cast from my laptop camera sitting on my dining room table, Josh came in and helped hook all this stuff up and helped get us uh, ready so it doesn't look too much like amateur hour. And uh, Bob will be back next week. Actually, Josh will be uh, giving the, the, the little message next week, uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in, in a bit. But here we are. This is what we got. Uh, how do we feel about this? Well, personally, you know, I've, I've canceled church services or been a part of the decision to cancel church services, certainly for floods, for hurricanes, for tornadoes, for uh, blizzards and ice storms. This is my first pandemic. All right. This is the first time that uh, actually in my lifetime I can ever remember this happening uh, on a global scale. And so we're kind of making this up as we go. We just pray for everyone's safety, and we ask you to be patient with us as we're trying to figure out how to navigate this waters. But i got to be honest with you, I, I struggle personally with somebody, some government agency somewhere, telling me we can or we shouldn't meet or we couldn't meet. It seems to me, uh, you know, it comes across to, uh, unspiritual, maybe uncommitted, and doggone it, it comes across un-American. Uh, we need to be able to go to church. Yet, here we are. This is, this is where we're at, and this is how we face. So, as I look at this, and I start to analyze it, well, let me, let me, let me go back up just a little bit. Uh, th this past couple of weeks, I've been in, in my own personal Bible study, and I've been reading this book talking about uh, listening to God, and how, how does God speak to us? How does God direct us and guide us? And one of the things that it was talking about, even as you read the Bible, particularly the parts of the Bible that are not... Um, uh, the epistles, not the directions, you know, uh, things like that, but more of the stories. He talked about reading the stories through and putting yourself in the story and seeing how would I respond in this type of a situation and how would I act in this situation and what if this situation were happening today and, and, and trying to really understand how did the men and the women of the Bible respond and act and therefore learn what is God trying to tell me through through telling me that story. And I thought, well, you know, we don't have global pandemics and all of that type of stuff in the Bible, but we do have some situations that, in principle, are very much like what we're, what we're uh, uh, experiencing right now. In Acts chapter 2, of course, we know that's the, that's, you know, that's the big, big chapter. The, the church starts off there with the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people get baptized, and everybody's doing great. Everything is going great. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe. And the many wonders and the signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone as they had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that was an awesome, it was an awesome fellowship. It must have been an incredible time to be a part of, to be a part of the church. And that went on for a little while. And chapter 4, by the time chapter 4 rolls around, you know, they, the, the number had grown to, they said, like 5,000 men. Okay, and so we're figuring 10, 12, maybe 15,000 disciples in that area. Now, there were some, some small persecutions came through, and, and, and they overcame those. And by Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed to have any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And then jumping on down to verse 34, it says that there was no needy person among them. So there was this, again, and this incredible fellowship, great to be a part of. Now, chapter 5, there was that little hiccup there with Ananias and Sapphira. There was some other persecution coming along. Uh, chapter 6, Stephen gets arrested. Chapter 7, Stephen gets killed uh, because of his faith. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, we read, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then when you skip down to verse 4, it says that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, I'm not comparing the martyrs of the first century to a bad flu virus, okay? But I'm just talking about some principles here. What's going on? The church was going great. They were feeling good. They had settled into a comfortable, spiritual, beneficial routine. They were meeting every day in the temple courts. They loving everybody. They're taking care of one another. And then something beyond their control changes everything in one day. In one day, they no longer had the benefit of meeting together. In one day, they no longer had that benefit of the mutual support or the strength of getting all the numbers together. In one day, they no longer had that, uh, the, the apostles and teaching them and guiding them. And without media or recorded media, they didn't even have Bibles. They were on their own. And then they were scattered. But they stayed spiritually focused and faithful. See, God was able to use that situation to spread the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying God caused that situation. He may have. I'm not saying God caused the coronavirus. I'm not saying, I get nervous people start saying God did this, God did this, when God has not himself taken responsibility for something. But he often will take whatever situations the world finds itself in and say, I can use this for something great. But in order to use that situation for something great, We've got to respond to it in a spiritual manner. Because these disciples in Acts were spiritual and faithful, even in spite of things beyond their control, Philip was able to establish a church in Samaria. Later, he went down, he meets this Ethiopian official on the road, converts him, and then that guy goes and plants a church in his home country of Ethiopia. After that, Philip goes down into Caesarea where he uh, builds his home, has a family, establishes a church, and leads a church there. And all these other disciples go all over spreading the gospel. Now, we find ourselves in a situation. We don't like it. It's inconvenient. 
We can't come together like we're used to, like many of us have done for our whole lives. There's many of us in our fellowship right now that just in here in Champaign who've been coming together every Sunday for 30 plus 35 years. Now all of a sudden we can't do it. We lose a certain security uh, of the routine and the comfortability of the routine and the support of the whole. And again, we don't like it. It's beyond our control. But we can control how we respond to it. See, the disciples in Acts, this is not the first time that they have uh, been thrown off guard by something. See, the apostles had all been through this type of thing before. And I want you to think about this as, as you take communion today. We're not going to take communion right now all together, virtually and online and all of that stuff. This is something you can do in your home, and I'll talk about that here in just a moment. But I want you to think about why we take communion. The apostles are with Jesus. They're hanging out with him for three years, and, and they, they have the fellowship of being with the Lord and the vision of what the kingdom of God can be and what, what can happen if they just stay with Jesus. And they're seeing all these wonderful, miraculous, and incredible things, and everything is awesome. And then all of a sudden, literally overnight, Jesus is arrested and killed. Now all of a sudden, in a day, everything changed for them. And they wonder, what do we do? How, how do we handle this? And some of them, they're all scared. Oh, they're looking for us now. Maybe they're going to kill us. I don't know what we're doing. And then they can't meet out openly like they used to. Some of them go fishing. And then Jesus is raised and he comes back. Okay, fine. We're back. We're back to normal. Jesus is here. He, was, he wasn't killed. He was raised from the dead. He's back with us. And he spends some time with us. And I can imagine that time when the end there when they were out on the hill and they're going, okay, Jesus, uh, or when are you going to do it? You know, when are you going to take it to Rome? When are you going to reestablish the kingdom of David and the, and the nation of Israel? And when, Lord, are you going to, Lord, where are you going? Where, hey, Jesus. You know, where, where did Jesus go, right? And then this angel shows up and says, don't worry about it. Go on in Jerusalem. It'll be told what you must do. And they're going, why couldn't Jesus tell us? He was right here. He could have told us everything. Now i got to go to Jerusalem. And they go to Jerusalem and they're for weeks. And they're wondering, what's up? We don't know what to do anymore. Our routine has totally been turned upside down. Then, of course, that brings us to the Acts chapter 2 part, right? And then the Spirit comes and great things happen. You see, sometimes when we think everything gets turned upside down and there's a problem and this is not good and I don't like it and this is beyond my control... God behind the scenes can take it and do something incredible. Something we never could have imagined. So I just want us to think about that. Can God use this situation to his glory and to our benefit? How can he do this? Because see, I want to be a part of God's plan. But I've got, it's going to depend upon my response. So when you take the communion, think about... Think about your relationship with Jesus and what your religion would be, what your faith would be, if it wasn't so easy. Okay, if there wasn't a, a nice, new, remodeled, uh, uh, climate-controlled church building to come have worship services together. 
There wasn't someone who prepared your communion for you, and you just have to sit there, and people hand it to you, and you got your little cracker and your little mini shot glass or whatever, and you take your communion. There's no, there's no worship team to set the mood. There's no uh, 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 teacher or someone, uh, spiritual teaching to guide us and get our minds in the right thought. It's all up to us. How do I respond? How do I help others now that all the other stuff has been stripped away? How do I do this? How will I spread the gospel now that there's a church service to invite them to? At least for the next three weeks, and who knows uh, how far beyond that? We don't know. We, everybody's seen in this situation. We don't know. Just like those apostles with Jesus didn't know, just like in Acts chapter 8, they didn't know. We don't really know. We've been focusing on discipleship for the past six weeks, and it's just wonderful that this has hopefully prepared us. These one-on-one relationships, these small groups, you know, just a few people getting together to strengthen one another, encourage one another, spur one another on. Now, kind of, that's all that's left to us. The big show is gone. The worship band is gone. The multimedia presentations on the big screen are gone. It's all boiled down to just brothers and sisters sitting eyeball to eyeball in small groups, okay, not big groups, small groups, to help one another grow and to fulfill their faith and to share the gospel. I want to encourage us to take advantage of this time. Do not look at it as something we've got to endure until we can get back to our routine, but look at it as something that can teach us and show us and kind of impose or force upon us a new dynamic that maybe takes us deeper in our one-on-one relationships than we would have done before.